0: Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored podcast. We welcome all chumbas, edge runners, vault dwellers, wastelanders, spice traders, and space folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? I Life. Hello, Chumbas. This is your friendly Cyber Smiley, out to do another uh, episode of uh, Tales for the uh, Tales from the Forlorn Dopes. Uh, again, my name is Cyber Smiley, and I have my co-host here.
1: Hello, greetings, programs. I am Wisdom. I am here to talk some cyberpunk with my pal Cyber Smiley.
0: Yeah, so uh,
1: today, uh,
0: yeah, if you want to tell everybody what's happening today,
1: oh yeah, no, today we're going to be reviewing a uh, solo of fortune one and two, Plus, we're going to talk about some general cyberpunk 2020 news and just genre news, uh, as always, we're going to rant at you and uh, spend significant amounts of time uh, vacillating between subjects and, and going on wild tangents, so and strap in and enjoy.
0: Yeah, so first off, shall we talk about an uh, announcement from RTG? With uh, I mean, it's a
1: good announcement.
0: So, <clears throat> apparently uh, they are back from Gen Con and gave us a little bit of a preview of things that are coming our way uh, and what happened at Gen Con. Uh, I would like to congratulate them on Haunted West game uh, game system, yeah. one in any. It's always a, a good thing.
1: Um, um, while they were at Gen Con, they re- they released Tales from the Red. That's
0: that they did. That's I pretty exciting. Got a copy of it. Still reading through it.
1: Oh my!
0: Um, there was, of course, some problems with Mike. I'm afraid he was wasn't too feeling too well. I hope I wish him the best, and I hope he's. Uh, on his way to recovery of whatever illness he might have had um, to mess Gen Tom. Uh, also, <clears throat> Monster Fight Club to, showed off some of the Combat Zone stuff, as well as playtesting. I'm still waiting for my package to come in the mail, though. I'm
1: you and sure. me both, brother. You and me both. Well, and, uh, of course, the really exciting news is that they uh, gave a little preview of what to expect from uh, Black Chrome
0: yes uh, some stuff that's being brought over from uh, 2020 like the, the silverette which is yeah. fun well, stuff
1: yeah we got uh, cyber digits like individual fingers that uh, on quick change mounts always love those Yeah. Always meant to have a character who just like had a belt full of fingers. They were, there was never the, I could never figure out enough individual fingers for it to 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 make sense. But like a bandolier of fingers always seemed kind of cool to me.
0: And I do appreciate the uh, cheap cyber eye implants in which ads continue to pop up.
1: Yeah, that's that's pure cyberpunk right there. That is. That is some brilliance. Uh, they're giving examples of of new guns, including like an anti-borg handgun, and uh, new vehicles. So it's gonna look like a like you know a good old fashioned Chromebook, apparently.
0: Yeah. So I know that Chrome Black has been in the works since 2013. Uh, before oh, yeah. Red Rules were even. Um, even thought about
1: oh yeah i mean i remember mike coming on the the 2077 forums and he announced it there way way back uh before yeah like you said, 2013 when everything was still up in the dark and nobody knew what to expect from anything so yeah we've been waiting on this one for a while
0: yeah um, Capricious Nature it is, they just show one vehicle. I don't know if they're coming up with actual vehicle rules. Um, DB wasn't designed for speed. I mean, it, so your rules might still be in place.
1: I was going to say, uh, Capricious Nature is, is one of our regulars. He's one of our more ardent supporters. Um, and he's, for the people listening uh, at home, He's he's in the chat alongside us here today. Uh, He wrote a supplement uh, for Red, uh, Vehicles of the Red, and he's worried that it might become uh, outdated. But I don't think it will. Um, You may need to update things, pal, but that's the nature of of homebrew source books is uh, they don't really become outdated. They just become classic. (laughs)
0: Uh, also, that they announced was uh, the Danger Girl dossier, which seems to me uh, similar to Ed Danger Pink. Yeah,
1: yeah, we don't want to run into into copyright issues. Danger Gal, not Danger Girl. Oh, Danger Girl is a is an is a nineties comic.
0: Really? Oh, that's where. Yeah, it's yeah. So
1: it's it was basically like a cross between Charlie's Angels and Tomb Raider. In fact, uh, their first story arc was... I don't know if you've ever seen Jackie Chan's Armor of God, but it's its that exact storyline.
0: Okay. Yeah, but I remember... So I was in a, in a game with Mike back, back in around 2014-ish. Um, and he was talking about Chrome Black back then. Um, he was running... Uh, a game with uh, Michiko and she that called herself Danger Girl. I could have sworn it was Action Girl, but then again, it's only, it's been what, almost 10 years <laughs> since that time. So my memory isn't as great as it used to be. But yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, it seems like it's a, an Edwinner uh, Incorporated spinoff. Maybe we'll see some little yes. uh, quick hooks in the book as well.
1: That's the vibe I was getting from it, and and our Talsorian, especially with the cyberpunk line, they've they've never been afraid to uh, pay homage to their inspirations. Uh, so it, it it's all good. Yep.
0: So that's what uh, Altarzorian's all about. So. Maybe we'll see uh, Chrome Black sooner than uh, we think. Um, <clears throat> I know there was some dialogue about uh, this posting in, I think, our Talsorian's Discord, or maybe someone someone else's Discord, uh, in which someone attended the seminar that um, James Hunt and the rest of RTG uh, was running. And supposedly there was mention that James Hutt was, uh, had some, uh, notes around full body conversions. Um,
1: but. I mean, that's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. So there's a little bit of a buzz for that. Because we all love our Borgs. Unless you're at the seeding end of one.
1: Yeah. They, uh. They're definitely a part of the world and. It's, it's, it was kind of weird for their absence in, uh, in Red. Um, uh, maybe not as playable characters, but certainly as, you know, something you could run into. I mean, they should be playable characters, but doing so, even with, as always, is it kind of creates a, a next level campaign. Um, I'm very curious to see how they're going to do that because most characters are almost unkillable in, in Red anyway. Yeah. Uh, what with the whole... Yeah, well... The hit points. Yeah. Hit points and 30-second trauma team response and... Um, yeah. But it, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they incorporate that into Red. And... I know you only get to see even in 2077. You re, the only true full board you ever really run across is Atom Smasher. But I mean, they, yeah, they're out there.
0: That they are. And I know with third edition, and really, who's there, go ahead? In third edition, there was you know the whole alt cult of, of full body conversions. Floating
1: around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, who's to say people like Lizzy Wizzy weren't aren't aren't full conversions? I mean, they'd be like cheap FBC, the Mike Adda produced fan source book uh, type full conversions. But I mean, at what point? At what point? That's always the question. At what point of of replacement do you become full conversion? Uh. As opposed to stop being classified as meat. I mean, metallic skin and all that. Right. Um, yeah, who Who really knows?
0: Yeah, so in other cyberpunk news, we're still waiting on Edge Runners, which should be coming out next month. I think in like three weeks. Maybe less, maybe more. One two three, a little more. So that's going to be fun. Um, Westworld season four just wrapped. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything because wisdom here is only on season two. <laughs> so
1: I had to restart from the beginning, and uh, yeah, it's it's all good.
0: Not going to divulge anything. Um, I did catch the episode of Moonhaven for free on Amazon. So it was only the first episode. I wasn't able to see the <clears throat> the rest of them. Um, but it kind of has a cyberpunk vibe. I think it's a little more far future than than cyberpunk. But I think there might be some goodness in there to go and check out.
1: Um, yeah, um, I mean, there's there's several shows on the horizon that haven't quite materialized yet that are that are looking great. They're still they're still talking about a dread series. I know. I don't know if that'll ever uh, ever actually materialize. It's not necessarily cyberpunk; more like it's post-apocalypse. But the pictures that are coming out from Furiosa look fantastic to me yeah um chris helmsworth is apparently going to be playing a character called uh dr (laughs) dementus he's got some weird looking weird looking facial hair but other than that everything i'm seeing looks pretty good i I guess it's supposed to be about how furiosa uh the charlize uh, charlize theron character from fury road and uh and Morton Joe, like, get to where they are in that movie. So, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, The other thing is, and I still don't hear anything about a release date for The Peripheral, um, which is a William Gibson novel that they created a TV series that supposedly they finished filming... Or principal filming at the end of last year, Um, so I assume that they were doing post production. But again, don't know too much about where they're at with that, and whether or not it's coming out, or when it's coming out, or if it's coming out.
1: Yeah, it's always weird that when you find out something's like the, it it seems like it would be you know coming out real soon, but it's everything goes quiet. That's always frustrating yeah especially when it's something as exciting as that
0: yeah because i know neuromancer has always been talked about and supposedly in pre-production and then years go by and find out that the whole project was scrapped
1: Um, oh it's been scrapped so many times i know you'd think they'd just put out an animated film like you'd think that would solve the budget issues um, True. I mean, some people just, or some projects just don't ever really seem to materialize.
0: Yeah, well, I think it all has to do with uh, IP, and you know, if if a oh yeah, of course. creator creates a, a story, you know, a, a company will come in buy the rights do nothing with the rights for 10 20 years as long as they keep on holding them um and depending upon the contract right with that author or, or creator you know if if they don't <laughs> if they don't stipulate oh yeah you have five five years to do something with this or else i'm i'm shopping it around to another company um if if, the, if they're not that smart that means they'll hold on to uh Hold on to the less license indefinitely, sort of like how. Um, you well, know, you know, there's a couple instances of it. One would be Harmony Gold, oh, yeah. but they did.
1: I mean, they pay so much for for these uh, for these properties, and they never do anything. But they don't want to lose the properties, so they just tend to do the minimal amount of. of uh, work required to keep the property. So you never see a movie materialize. It's like Spider-Man, dude. That that movie, Spider-Man was in development from like four different companies uh, from like the late 80s on. And it wasn't until Sam Raimi that we actually saw something materialize. I mean, at one point, James Cameron was going to be putting it out. It's development hell. Hell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we all know the story of the Fantastic Four movie, and that which one, the, Roger Scott, Corman, the Roger <laughs> Corman one. It, it was made just to shelve.
0: Yeah, Cold Spider so, let, let's, talks about uh, um, mountains of madness and and Guillermo oh, del yeah. Toro. Speaking of Lovecraft, I'm actually going to be uh, heading to Necromonicon over in Providence this weekend. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's a a convention that's dedicated towards the weird, which Lovecraft and that type of genre is all based on. So, it's a fun time. I've been there three times already, four times. Um, It's a fun time. I mean, it's not a gaming convention. Yes, there are games there, but it's more uh, a bit of—I uh, would say the majority of it is more t- geared towards uh, authors uh, and writers of the genre.
1: Yeah, like horror fiction and stuff. That—that yep. that sounds pretty darn cool to me.
0: Yeah. So, I'll let you know when uh, when I get back, and maybe uh, there might be some uh, cyberpunkish talk of cthulhu and cyberpunk maybe i should uh, do a seminar on it um (laughs) well speaking of things that i'm doing uh so i just did a release today uh prior to me going away um addressing some of the uh the um bugs on my site uh a few things i'm also still working on the character generator for red um, that is kind of going a little slow because I'm actually taking my time and really thinking out some of this stuff because I, I some of the bugs I was fixing on the, the character generator for 2020, I'm like, oh man, why did I do it this way? So I definitely have learned from <laughs> past experiences, um, and the spaghetti code that I created years ago. Uh, so hopefully, uh, the red thing is going to be a little bit better and a little more, uh, a little more tighter, in, at least code-wise. Uh, besides that, I'm actually working on a new campaign because my two campaign I've been running for two years just ended uh, about three weeks ago. Uh, no one died, I, though I tried. Um, I, actually, <laughs> I actually threw a, a Borg after them, and after they survived the Borg limping away... Um, they were like, "Yeah, we're heading the ground. We're not dealing with this anymore." <laughs> so I kind of scared the characters that's, into uh, not doing the mission anymore.
1: That's the nature of cyberpunk. You either uh, you either make it and, and retire, you go into hiding, or you die. There's Not really any any middle ground between the three. Uh, of I don't want to kill them.
0: Making them run away in, in terrified dread is, is so much more satisfying. Because killing, you, you know, you just kill them. Filling them with dread and, and, you know, going after their friends and families and they don't know who's coming after them because they've made so many enemies is just more oh, delicious. <laughs> uh so with that ended, I'm kind of taking a break from running. So I have uh, a couple of my players doing um some other different uh games uh while I prepare for my next campaign, which I'm actually going to be doing a space campaign. And I shared uh, a link with uh wisdom over here on on what I'm fleshing out and it's kinda like his source books.
1: <coughs> and try to I am, use I am them as inspiration. In your development of this of this campaign with great interest. It it looks like it's going to be very badass. Yeah. Uh, so you are. Uh, I mean, it's 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 what I would expect from a space campaign. Um, what I would want from a space campaign, not what I would necessarily expect, but what I would want. And uh, yeah, every time you post something new about it, I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and and. <laughs> Which I'm actually doing a bit of research in, in, in space, and I've always been fascinated by it. But I'm actually doing a little more research, and oh, wait a minute, you, lunar colonies aren't the greatest thing <laughs> to do, especially for humans, because the gravity is only one-sixth, and God only knows what that's going to do to a human body. Um. Uh. So, I'm not sure how yeah, I'm going to approach those.
1: I mean, we talk about hostile environments, but I mean, literally, everything in space is hostile. Every yeah. every the slightest mistake will absolutely kill you and everyone you love. Um, it's a it would be it's a nerve wracking environment,
0: and on top of that, you have corporations <laughs> trying to be uh, the overlords and the oppressors of the universe.
1: It's the truth. Yeah, I think that that covers the news, unless there was anything else you wanted to mention. I don't
0: think so. I think we can kind of get started with tonight's topic, which is Solo Fortune. And the two books. Yeah,
1: we're going to be covering both one and two. Uh, I know this is a a fan-favorite source book, so... Hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll do them justice for people.
0: Yeah, so um, let's get started. So, Soul of Fortune, the first one, was actually written for Cyberpunk 2013. So, it's yeah. a bit of a predate, and it's one of the few uh, supplements for 2013.
1: Um, yeah, it along with Rocker Boy, Chromebook, and. Uh, Oh, I think it was one other. Near Orbit? Near Orbit. That's the one.
0: Was the... I think the original Euro Eurosource was also kind of like at the tail end of 20, for
1: 2013. Well, yeah, Eurosource and Near Orbit. Yeah. Huh. I never actually gave it all that much thought because I never see all the books together as the 2013 books, but yeah, they... they in the... In the brief amount of time before 2020 released, they put out a hefty amount of material.
0: That they did. Uh, so this book uh, has uh, multiple authors. You have uh, Colin Fisk, uh, Mike Pondsmith, Will Moss, uh, who is a well-known <laughs> other contributor and author, yeah. um, David and uh, Scott Ruggles, and Derek Quintanar? I always Screw up at mentioning his Tanar. name. Quintanar. Quintanar. Yeah,
1: I, something like that. Quintanar, yes. I've never actually heard his name pronounced before, so. Yeah, I'm not good at pronouncing
0: words that I see. I think it has something to do with a little minor form of dys- dyslexia I have. So, anyways, we get into it, and, um, of course, Mike Pondsmith does a forward on what the book is, why it's there. It's kind of uh, a bit of a solo of, no, it's actually based on Soldier of Fortune, which is a, was kind of a a magazine of, yeah. Yeah. I remember
1: as a, like a 12 year old kid thinking, this is the coolest magazine ever. As an adult, I'm all like, man, that's kind (laughs) of cringy. That's something that could have only really happened in the 80s.
0: Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm plan to... Uh, caprici-
1: the, the, the heyday of, like, guns and ammo magazine.
0: Yep. Shit like that. Well, I think it's still the heyday. At least in the U.S.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't think we've yeah, ever yeah. lost our interesting guns.
1: Um, no, but that whole... Uh, that whole wanting to feel dangerous through through the power of magazine... Uh, that was just so prevalent in the eighties.
0: Printed word and all that.
1: I mean, you had you had Solo Fortune and you had all the like the myriad of martial arts magazines and all of them about ninjas and shit. Like these are these are eighties things that that couldn't have really existed at any other time with the popularity that they enjoyed. Yep.
0: So, uh, I would say. 80% of this is really fluff um, from a source book point of view
1: yeah uh, it was it was the early uh, the early days of, of the franchise and they were still like the fluff was there and they were still like fleshing out exactly what they wanted to do with the system you can kind of see that with this with this book Uh... It's. it's I, I like the format. I like the way they set it up as a as a magazine. Um, whereas in later source books, they try to uh, like emulate data terms and like what you would see on a computer screen. With this, they're they're straight going for that magazine feel and. Uh, I don't know. In some cases, it it almost feels weird when you see the stats for things because the fluff is so is so very heavy and prevalent. Right. Um, the art in this book, though, just take a brief aside. Uh, it's 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 very. it's very in tune with what you would see in Cyberpunk 2020 when it comes out um, Mike Pondsmith does some of the art in this one as well uh, Sam Liu Scott Ruggles, Rob Caswell uh, this is where you get some of that, a lot of the Nagel inspired art that I really really dig that's, that's highly prevalent throughout the book
0: Yes. Um, And again, I think Mike is more labeled as an artist for his maps. I have a feeling that that was... Yeah,
1: I I, I get that too. Um, More like the graphic design type stuff as opposed to... Yeah, one of these days we'll have to find out what, what art he did just to be sure. But yeah, I'm thinking it's more charts and, and, or not charts, diagrams and whatnot.
0: Yeah. All right. So the first section, of course, is basically as as a format of any um, magazine. You have uh, the beginning section of writer, or sorry, Readership writing in and asking questions and the editor of course responding to all of them some of them are pretty funny your,
1: your meal room section yeah it's good, good stuff I like this uh,
0: and some of the debates they have like around uh, the nines uh, which is good and the other thing is you're going to find most, most of the rules and gear are going to be in the advertisements throughout this book So, you're not really going to find any central location that has all the items. It's kind of splashed Mm -hmm. around throughout it. Um, And some of them, some of the ads are really small and you would actually miss.
1: uh, Oh, yeah. They're the little thing. Anytime you read the reference book and it says solo fortune, you're just all like, oh, no. Search the whole just for a little itty bitty blurb somewhere. Yep. But it's good fun, and it—I I like the way they do it. Um, I would have liked to have seen more books put out like this, to be honest. Uh, viewer, re, uh, reader, mail, and all. Um, it it feels—it feels very satire, kind of in line with. Uh, I don't want to say like in line with Judge Dredd necessarily, but. It it, kind of gives off that feel where... Yeah. I, I don't really know how to explain what I'm trying to say. But... It definitely has like a high satire count. Yep.
0: Yeah, so... Um, then you get move on, and you get into the first story, which is a little bit of uh, fluff around the Southam War, and really getting into the, the mentality of the Solos, who I think, from from the point of view of cyberpunk, was always viewed that Solos are kind of ex-soldiers uh, coming back from war, trying to, you know work out <laughs> their issues in, in the craziness that happened uh, during those two wars so um, it's a good article uh, again no real uh, rules around it uh, there is of course following that article uh, the gun modifications which I think is the first step on how to modify your guns and, and some of the some of the yeah, ways it's, in which you can improve
1: a gun. Uh, that yeah, the little fully chipped thing is it's another ad, and it's it's the first time in Cyberpunk in the franchise that you really see uh, gun modification and anything beyond, you know, just straight basic stats. Yep. Uh, as for the oh, as for the South American war stuff, it's I can't tell you how useful this was uh in fueling my imagination for when I I, I put I wrote out the uh, fan source book uh Conflict South America. Like there is just there is so little information about such a pivotal event in in the Cyberpunk 2020 lore um I had to have more, even if I had to create it myself. And this is this is where I this article was the basis of all that.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Um, And again, I think (laughs) you get into that mentality of like there's just so much I want to do so little time to do it, you know. And oftentimes you, you get... And again, I'm sure this is why some game systems don't do everything that they could possibly do. Uh, Because Cyberpunk, I think, has so much potential in various areas uh, that were never really covered.
1: And they they just make brief mentions of these uh, concepts that just really grabbed hold of my imagination, like the long walk, like that... They never really detailed any of it. They just kind of mentioned what it was. And you're just like, man, I want to know so much more about that. And they're not ever going to give it to me. So I, I had two choices. I could make it up myself or just forget about it. I made it myself.
0: Well, the other thing is, some of it is, okay, you have Solo Fortune that mentioned a little of it. You have, you know, I think... Um, Rocker boy, home of boy, Dave, home Dave, Dave. Dave, rocker
1: boy. So uh, uh, it's, neo tribes. It's, I mean, there were brief mentions, but there was no
0: a consolidated area. A, yeah. yeah, yeah. So moving on to the next article, which is uh, cyber psychosis. It can happen to you. Uh, in which there's a detailed uh, article around. What it is, some of the warning signs you want to watch out for, how you can prevent it. Um, also, be aware that there might be certain cyberware that cause it cause it to escalate very quickly.
1: Uh, and it's 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 all fluff, but it's fluff told in a way that you can directly apply it to your game. Yeah. Um. As opposed to a lot of times when this kind of thing happened where it gets all abstract, and you're all like, well, that sounds really cool, but I don't know what to do with it. This is, this is told in a way that you know what to do with it.
0: Yep. And then there's also some game rules, which uh, you can roll on a chart, roll a d10, and see what kind of cyberpsychosis it is, like from mm-hmm. uh, obsession, paranoia, delusions, hyperactivity, phobic... Or uh, schizophrenic, or just murderous rage. <clears throat> so, uh, you probably should make a generator for that on the character sheet, but future will will take care of that.
1: <laughs> I, I like the attitude expressed in this book that in twenty thirteen, they're they're really. Do I, well, we can either remove all your cyberware or kill you and those are the only two cures for cyberpsychosis. Uh and I like how that softens up and expands over the course of the supplements that follow. Yep. Uh. Um Yeah. It's that's what I loved about about Cyberpunk in and of itself is that it's ex- it expanded on concepts. At the start, they take all these hard line stances, and then as the line grows and the timeline, you know, falls into place, uh, they, they do expand on, on some of these ideas, and it becomes a much more fluid thing. Yes.
0: And um, Iannis, or DreamPod9... With their, I forget if it's Grim Tales or Dark Metropolis, they actually Metropolis. had some yes. very extensive uh, cyberpsychosis uh, humanity loss rules that really allowed a player to kind of put. Uh, they the player really didn't have a choice on where he was putting his cyber or humanity loss into the various fields, but. It went a little step further than just a simple chart like this. Um,
1: yeah, it expanded it expanded the concept greatly. And for for many groups it became the standard. Like Dark Metropolis, like the book was worth it just for that alone, for their for their views on cyberpsychosis and, and how they expanded <clears throat> the system for it.
0: I mean I tried to use that system on, on some of my games, but my players were just this is too much bookkeeping. I do not want to use. We don't want to use this. It's like okay, fine, I get it. Um, but I really. I like mean,
1: honestly, with my groups outside of outside of like when we very first started, uh, they were all terrified of cyber psychosis, so they they tried to keep their cybernetics light. And if they did have to go heavy into cyber, like <laughs> they were full blown flying to Switzerland for therapy and shit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that can get expensive if they're going all the way to Europe.
1: Oh, Lord. It, it I mean, at the time, at, at the point where they could afford, like, full conversions or the next best thing, yep. they, the money wasn't really the issue for them. True. Uh, either they had corporations footing the bill or, I don't want to say succeeding, but they had succeeded enough uh to where you know they could if they could afford the cybernetics they could afford the therapy that went along with them right otherwise they were just meat on a table somewhere
0: but yeah it's it's to me it's this is a good article to read because I know there's been a lot of chatter on like what cyberpsychosis is and how you handle it in the community um and this is another source that you can kind of leverage and, and pull from <clears throat> the next chapter is. Um,
1: it's. Go ahead. I mean, it's like the nature of cyberpunk itself, like the genre itself. Like, is is cyber psychosis something you include in your game? If so, what what form does it take? Uh, it's just one of those endlessly debated topics. Right. And uh, any little bit you can find to help flesh it out is always going to be a positive.
0: That it will. So the next chapter is focus on solos. Uh, th- this issue, the six types of solos. So again, we get more fluff uh, around different types of solos in the world, uh, how they work, whether they're bodyguards, cyber soldiers, uh, and the various tasks they would have associated with them. Uh, and at the end of the article, it actually goes into the types and gives you some... I I wouldn't say that they were full-blown roles, uh, but they do kind of tell you what skills you should be focused on, and what kind of equipment you should be looking at.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's... You can see where the attitude of you know, you don't have to be this to be an effective solo. You don't have to be like Rambo walking around bristling with weapons and, uh, Jack to the max. Like you can be the professional, like bodyguard assassin type where, you know, you just carry what's needed as per. And most of the time you're walking around trying to be stylish. I love the Euro solo, uh, But for those games where Rambo is required, it's it's got that. And it's... This is where you start to see, you know, reactions to, if you show up looking like this, you're not going to get jobs with these people. yeah, uh, Because they want somebody who looks professional. They want somebody who's not going to draw attention to themselves. Um... Yeah, so, I- right off the bat, I mean, we're talking 2013 era, like, Cyberpunk 2013, not the year 2013, but right off the bat, like, those those tools that you will need to deal with the more problematic players who don't understand, you know, it's not Dungeons and Dragons, right off the bat, it's giving you those tools.
0: Right. And I think Cyberpunk is, at least for my players, they really were murder hobos, they had no place oh, yeah. to live. They wore the cheapest stuff unless it was armor. Um, you know they they didn't care about style over substance. They only cared about substance. Um, and of course, you know, they never really got good deals or were able to go into any <laughs> any high scale bars. Or, you know, cor- corporates usually, like, would frown on them, like, w- why do I want to do business with you? You don't even have... Yeah, any. they're
1: hanging out in the seediest fucking solo bars, because that's the only place so <laughs> will let them in the door.
0: Yeah. And, oh, what's your personal grooming? Oh, zero? Okay.
1: <laughs> you got lice jumping off of you, buddy. <laughs> what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, this chapter also had some additional uh, vocabulary uh, that you definitely yeah. can
1: use. I mean, that's again the the early books; they were just full of this kind of stuff, uh, various slang and jargon to you know help immerse yourself in the game. Um, I don't. I don't know how closely. Everybody else's game, like h- h- how much use they got out of the slang and all that stuff. I know we tried to use it fairly heavily in the beginning um, just to, you know, immerse ourselves. And we were also like wearing sunglasses at night and shit like that.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, there's uh, yeah, I... one term which I think is no longer politically correct.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you're going to run into that. It was a different era. It was. And what was... Yeah. I mean, I know the term you're talking about. It's... It's.
0: Different. I mean, category. I think it
1: would actually probably still... I don't know if it would still fly or not. Uh, I know it's closer to what people would actually, like mercenaries would actually say um, which is an indictment on the on the crowd as much as it is on the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those things.
0: It is. Uh, so again, this chapter really gives you some fluff on the different uh, solo archetypes. Uh, that players should really be aiming towards and what corporations are also looking for when they hire them. Um, It has to do with uh, the old Western movies, uh, Capetius.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's to, the to closest I'm gonna go to it, that. It, it, it's it's got a derogative. I'll say it, it. the The term that we're talking about is engine country, uh, which it, it's not a very cool term. No. But again in the in the late eighties, early nineties, it was just part of the jargon. Um. Yeah, it, it, it probably wouldn't fly today, yeah. and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I don't want to. Ha- I don't want our viewers to be too confused. Um, it's 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 not horrible, but it definitely as a
0: sixteenth Ojibwe kind of <laughs> starting to understand the. the meanings behind some of that stuff and yeah yeah anyways let's move on to uh modern street gangs the true cyberpunks which is the next chapter uh this actually is an article that really gets into uh the gangs of the world uh and the various types uh whether they're this is the
1: first time you go ahead
0: they were starting to actually classify them and, and you definitely see a lot of this being propagated into other source books like uh, Wildside uh, Protect and Serve Night City source Night book Night City yep
1: so i mean and this is this is really the first time you see that breakdown uh, where they you can see that they're watching popular popular media, movies like The Warriors and uh, all these other like high crime movies that were coming out at the time. Uh, oh, the oh, what was that? Oh, the Class... Charles Lawson movie.
0: Oh, Death Wish.
1: Death Wish, especially Death Wish three. Uh, With uh, you, you can just see where the where the basis of booster gangs and all that come into play, and poser gangs, and this is really the first glimpse you get into that world.
0: Yeah, or the real classic is Class of nineteen ninety
1: nine. Yep, that's that's I love that movie.
0: (laughs) I did at the time. Now it's like oh, oof. I used to watch stuff. Well, like that. I mean,
1: it's it's very much a product of its time, like so much of the '80s was true, and the early '90s. And I mean, you, you you take them for what they are. You get the inspiration from them that you can, uh, even if the plot itself is a mess or just the overall concept is just kind of a little too far out there for what's going on. Um. You take your inspiration where you can. Yep.
0: Um, also in this chapter, besides just telling you about the different types of gangs, it also uh, gives you an insight into the gang rank uh, special ability and what it means uh, for that. And I think this is probably more, you know, especially for the time, uh, one of the more fleshed out special abilities I have come across because uh, it yeah. really goes into detail for two, three pages.
1: It actually surprised me a great deal that this didn't make it like a whole hog at, into the standard role list uh, for 2020 when it came out. Mm. Because they really go into depth on on gangs and gang life and Gangs as a character class.
0: Yeah, to the point where every two levels it has at least uh, I mean, it's one paragraph but really I think these these are multiple paragraphs for each rank.
1: Um, I mean, they actually go more into detail with Gang Life and Gang as a character class than they do with any other role yeah. out there, really except for Fixers.
0: And Nomads
1: yeah yeah and nomads
0: The one good thing about this chapter also is it gives you kind of a couple ideas on how to run a gang campaign too uh, which is fun.
1: yeah I mean i've I've run many of them uh, and this was this was always a good tool uh, to base that those campaigns off of and
0: then of course at the end of the the, the chapter we have stats for some of the gang types um that you can use in your game
1: it's it's where you first see them like we're gonna throw some some posers at you uh in this case like the kennedys yep Posers have always been this weird hit-or-miss thing in the back of my head where I, I can see them being a thing. And as time has progressed and like cosplay has become this big thing, it's obviously become a little bit more like acceptable in the back of my head. But man, back in 1990, a bunch of dudes walking around biosculpted to look like Gilligan just seemed like such a ridiculously far fetched idea that I just well, I had to laugh about it. And I, you, you see where they like if you read Judge Dredd or anything like that you see where the ideas come from but man it, it would be so hard. It, it's it's so hard for me to take that seriously when the major threat is like the Spongebob Squarepants gang. You just, what? <laughs> what? Well it was like
0: The Bozos. No one really thought, oh, there's going to be a gang of Bozos, and lo and behold, we have the Juggalos who uh, fit the bill.
1: I mean, I I think Bozos were originally thrown out there as like a a running joke for Mike's game, or or whoever's game, uh, that just kind of took on this life of its own, because clowns are fucking terrifying.
0: Well, that and John Lee Gacy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, John, John yeah. Wayne Gacy. John uh, Wayne Gacy. Plus, you had movies like Killer Clowns from Outer Space hitting the market, which gave everybody the visuals they needed. Yeah. Um, yeah, clowns are clowns are fucking terrifying. Uh, for a whole lot of people. For me, they were they were nothing more than ever just like I found them tacky more than anything else. But like my mom is was terrified of, of clowns.
0: Yeah, I don't appreciate them. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm terrified of them, but, uh, anyways, uh, so we get into a full page ad for a bunch of new, uh, cyberware, which of course made it into the Chromebooks. I thought so at least some of them. Um, yeah, uh, some of this from. No, this wasn't. Some of this wasn't from my uh, interface.
1: No, no, this is too early. Um, but this is the first time we get to see, like, modular cyber fingers. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. Um, so, yeah, that concept goes way, way back. Uh, I, I liked this. Site. <coughs> um, Cookie uh, cutters—they became standard issue for like all police forces in our game.
0: Oh, they became standard issue for all teams in my game that had cyberware or cyber guns.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I know. If you don't want to be shooting your butts, the size—I like all this stuff—is good. The seismic detector, the silencers, um, the nasal—like everything on this page—is pure. Like got heavy use in our games. Not just because it was the some of the earliest cyber we got introduced to outside of the main book, but just because it's it's good good stuff.
0: Yes, it was. Uh, so the next chap- chapter is corporate extraction, and it kind of gets into. Uh, A bit of a story on how a corporate extraction happens. Uh, Granted, there's not too many rules on this, but it's definitely some fluff that you can get inspired with for uh, creating your game. First time chat. Let's do this, huh? And I know what that is. Anyways, um, it's a good read and definitely inspires you on how extractions can happen. Uh, Oftentimes, my players do it a little differently than
1: uh, this yeah, particular cap- group. Yeah.
0: Oh, you're reading uh, Capricious's...
1: Uh, yeah, apparently yeah. Cap's uh, Capricious Nature's mom, his best friend's mom, was the one who reported the smell from Gacy's house. That's yeah. that's insane. Uh, remind me, Capricious, to tell you my story about Bob Berdella in Kansas City. That is a tale for another time.
0: Yeah, I don't have any good tales on that. Close misses with... uh, interesting people, I would say. Um, Anyways, getting back on topic. Yep, sorry. (laughs) So the next chapter is Love and Bullets from Moscow. Uh this chapter is actually very short one page uh, but it gives a little bit of insight into how um, well a little story from a a Russian covert
1: and And again this was gonna one of the source books that I still have on the back burner eventually that I want to do is one more conflict source book detailing you know Eastern Europe the the Soviet bloc and whatnot. Um, And this would have been, this is where I got the idea for that from. Yeah.
0: Uh, And I don't understand why they continued the article 40 pages later.
1: (laughs) Because that's what magazines did back then, and I guess they're trying to emulate that. Uh, It does come across a little disjointed. They do that with a couple of things in the book. And it,
0: Yeah, for later. I mean, it
1: makes you feel like you're reading the magazine, but it would have been nice to just have the information all in one place.
0: Yeah, like, oh, damn, we, I thought we had a full-page ad for this page. All right, stick an article in here. What about the rest of the article? Ah, put it in the back somewhere. We'll just tell them to the jump pages. Uh, then the next chapter, because we went to Russia, let's go into the euro style. Uh, in which we really get into the European culture, in the Angels. Um, and if you don't know who the Angels are, they are like the elite elite of the solos. Like American solos are, are crap, supposedly, compared to these guys.
1: Yeah, they really they really lean into the whole Euro solos are are the the best solos. Um, I'm not really sure why this was such a thing other than I I guess James (coughs) Bond movies? I'm not really sure where the idea that Euro solos are any better than solos from anywhere else.
0: Well, I think the the concept was that america is pretty much a third world country at this point it's just the only reason why we're considered first world in the cyberpunk universe is because we have an army a military that still is the world leading military of the world so however i think cultural wise you know america has just gone to shit and the europe's continu- or the europeans have been continuing to progress and become a higher scale type of person person persons there um i'm not going to reply to that cap sorry <laughs> 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 uh so i think the the concept that the europeans and again, the article kind of has that down look on, on on any solo that is not European. That they are just brutish. They have no grace. They have no elegance. And,
1: well, I mean, late eighties, early nineties, with the with the post punk and and. And nouveau music scenes. I, I think the Europeans were just seen as so much more stylish at the time than 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 Americans. I think that I think that's what just carried over, like their sense of fashion and uh, and all that. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of Europe it, it was it was fairly. conflicted. But... Yeah, I, I really want to say it just comes a bit down to basic fashion trends at the time. And you see it in a lot of the art where especially the Nagel inspired stuff where everybody looks like a... Uh,
0: a fashion model.
1: Yeah, like a... Yeah, I'm I'm at a loss for uh, specific bands at the moment, but definitely some Euro-influenced
0: Duran Duran.
1: Yeah, Duran Duran, Tears for Fears, um, the the big shoulder pad art uh, fashion style, but just kind of defined Europe
0: at that time, and how some bands got Towards that, not necessarily glam rock, but just a definite uh, new wave, new wave fashion.
1: It's it's very new wave. Um, Some uh, Sisters of Mercy type stuff. Honestly, when I think of European fashion, I uh, I can't help but think of uh, when the Griswolds go shopping in. National Lampoon's European European Vacation, and they all are wearing these giant shoulder padded suits and stuff.
0: Yep. And again, at the end of this article, it gives you some uh, rules in which you would create a Euro solo, uh, what you would do with them, some of the different skills. Uh, add plus three to any skills of your choice, so they were kind of a beefed up type of uh, solo. <clears throat> to kind of give them that upper edge on, on other non-Euro solos, as it were.
1: I mean, and again, I think, I think at the end of the day, they're just trying to really push forward the idea that a good solo is somebody who can blend in and, and not who can get into a club who can, uh, stand next to your, your, your corporate executive without looking like some kind of Rambo monstrosity. Right. And
0: oftentimes that'll off put a person, right? So if I'm looking at two corps, Okay. They're going to be chumps. I'm going to be able to take them out. However, one of them <laughs> is a Euro solo who's probably, you know, twice as better at me in hand-to-hand combat. And I decided yeah. to go and mess with them.
1: Um, top of the line gear, top of the line fashion. He's like style and substance. Yep. A cow. So, it's a good read uh,
0: to understand what a Euro solo is. I mean, it's three, four pages of content and fluff. So definitely go read. Uh, again, next we have uh, an ad <coughs> with one of uh, my players' main go-tos, which is the speeding bullet
1: legs. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the other stuff is on the page is just kind of. It's just kind of fun. It's more stuff you see on NPCs, but the speeding bullet legs, man, if you don't have this or Corvette's... If if this or Corvette cyber legs don't make it to at least one of your characters, I don't know that you're playing the game right.
0: Exactly. Um, So my players would often, if I gave them points to distribute amongst their stats, movement allowance would be a dump stat. And then they would just make sure that they can... uh, Get speeding bullet.
1: I mean it's it, it's one of those it's it's one of the basic concepts of cybernetics that have been in everybody's subconscious since the six million dollar came six million dollar man came out. Like everybody wants to run really fast. Everybody wants to jump really high. Like these are the core bionics that everybody was familiar with
0: yep and the one thing that really didn't talk about whether or not these were the 2500 was for the option or did it include the legs themselves right this cyber leg package
1: uh, uh, how did yeah. you play
0: them Were the legs included in that price for you? I know. I mean, they were.
1: The prices of the early supplements and especially Cyber, were so all over the place. Uh, since they didn't, since they didn't specify, we just went ahead and said, "Yeah, that's that's the that's the whole package." Um, because they would require. Like if you got speeding bullet legs, with the exception of maybe some minor options here and there, that was that was it. That was what your legs were. Uh, you couldn't combine them with like hydraulic rams or anything like that. So for us, it was just the total package. Um, and it was a choice, like I said, between this and like this. Just gives you a flat sixteen movement allowance and can let you jump up to 10 meters, whereas the later uh, Corvette Cyberlegs, they gave you up to a plus eight, 8 movement allowance, which, depending on whether you made MA your dump stat or not, could be the better option. Yep. Um, but they also like replaced your spine and all sorts of shit, so <laughs> it was always a trade-off.
0: Very true. <coughs> um, the other little knick that my players will also look to buy is uh, the Boost Wear, which actually gives you a flat plus one to your Reflex. Uh, yep. Which was always envious, because uh, that's how you boost yourself to... And again, you know, back in 2013, booster Wear actually added to your Reflex, not just your initiative. So that's why that yeah. carry over from the chart, where if you dodge with a... Reflex greater than 12, you could actually get uh, with the 2013 rules or 2013.
1: Yeah, rules. you could get a superhuman stat. I mean, really, reflex, movement allowance, you can only get superhuman stats with the physical stats uh, reflex, movement allowance, and body. Um, the mental stats, you couldn't. Uh, like very late in the game uh with some of the cyber generation stuff they started like saying hey okay well here's something to boost your intelligence but that's i never really made that part of my game outside of like genetic <coughs> experimentation
0: well the the cyberware that boosted your brain it had some pretty bad effects i think it was like yeah was it a... wasn't
1: something that players really
0: a 10% chance you become a vegetable for x amount of time mm. was not always great cuz I had a player who was like, "Ooh, he cuz he saw it on my my um master data sheet." He's like, "Oh, 1." And of course, he didn't know about the the source or actually read it. And I was like, "Oh, you got this." So you're willing to take a 10% chance that you'll be a vegetable." He's like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs>
1: Yeah, the ref book is great, but the, re- the 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 actual reference information at the end of every every entry is vitally important. I mean, you need to read that stuff. You need to research it yourself.
0: Yep. So, um, moving along, we get into an article called "The State of Corporate Security: Penetration and Defense." Uh, so this article actually gets into how corporations kind of um, do security within a building. So it's definitely a good read for any referee. Uh, well, it talks about Arasaka specifically. But there's also uh, a lot of Arisaka <laughs> facilities talked about in various books that you can check out. Uh, this one actually goes in a little detail of like why they do it? I think the I think the security is probably a little more more advanced than than what they have here uh, for your games, but it's at least a, a start from back in the 90s and how you did it.
1: It's very interesting the the, the net security layout they give is so far removed from like the crossword puzzle net layouts you would see in later supplements. Well, um,
0: well again, this is 2013, so this is how And yeah. if you guys get this mo- book, you would actually see that um kind of looks like t- Cyberpunk Red a little, and uh, how the ARC bit. Net- networks work, right? You have branches and going off into a branch, you go into a different node um, and follow it through. Granted, the, the, the uh, <laughs> it's a mammoth uh, uh, Yeah, layout.
1: there's so much there. like mm.
0: so you it's, might a, have to... it's
1: a flowchart for frustration
0: right there. So you would just carve this up into the various net nodes of, okay, this controls the cameras, this controls the workstations, this one... And, and cut up this diagram into the little bits and pieces, uh, for your your uh, facility.
1: <coughs> it's it's always it's always interesting to me to see like how the progression of the various aspects of the game. Uh, we've also got a bit of corporate security layout, and to be honest, this kind of thing was re- like it's it's battle maps and floor plans and stuff are so prevalent now but back then modern modern floor maps for shit like this was so rare yep like we're talking before before Shadowrun was really a thing uh 2013 was like this this was kind of it this was all you could get some of the Marvel superhero supplements had 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 some stuff Uh, and some of the DC, like, the superhero games had it, and the James Bond game had really great, thank you, uh, the James Bond game had really great floor plans and battle maps uh, for the time, like, none of them would hold up today just because they're not to scale with anything, but um, yeah, back then this stuff was so rare.
0: Yep. And I think this is the map that (laughs)
1: <laughs> Mike Pondsmith takes
0: as uh, credit for art
1: which is good yeah it's it's definitely it's a good floor plan um, but yeah I think you're right I think it's this kind of stuff and the diagrams that are uh, Mike's artistic contributions I don't know uh, so moving along and
0: I don't think we're going to get to Solo 2 uh, from going through all these chapters I, I didn't think this book was that big but I mean it's 82 pages and we're only getting halfway through
1: we're only halfway through <laughs> I mean this this next chapter is
0: Bubbing it's just JT. them talking
1: about one of their guns uh, like with the cyberpunk redneck NPCs that they created the most impressive thing to me about this is it's like photographs and they actually created a, a prop gun for it. Yep. And it's a pretty good looking prop. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird seeing as how there's, there's no visible like magazine or anything like that. Um, like you're not really sure how the gun is supposed to work, but it's nice that they created a, like a real-life prop, and then took photographs of it.
0: Well, then, you know, one of the pictures also shows his uh, plugs that he uses for a smart gun.
1: Yeah, that was a nice touch, too.
0: But it's definitely a great article, because I've seen this in in various communities in which they start debating about the pros and cons of the various uh, ammunitions and guns, and to me, I've seen this conversation not just here, but in other places.
1: Oh, every fucking gun magazine of the '80s. Like this, this is yeah. Now they also give photographs for the fabric of the arms, uh, yeah. which is a much more realistic-looking weapon. And it was a bullpup, which you know, in the '90s or late eight, late '80s, early '90s, were still fairly uncommon.
0: They were, um, and everyone thought, oh, this is going to be the wave of the future. All guns are going to be bullpup.
1: I mean, that's still the way I see it in the back of my head. Like, my favorite guns in the video games are always going to be bullpups. And just because just of this influence. Yeah. Um, I don't know... I don't know how they created this gun. This is a much more realistic take. Uh, I don't know if... I don't know, this is a weird prop. Yeah, I'm
0: wondering like, if I took like a squirt gun
1: and,
0: and like did some yeah, uh, modifications of a squirt gun. But that butt, that, that does not look like a, any squirt gun I've ever seen.
1: No, that looks almost like a M60 butt. Yeah. Um, the the center section the uh, that's that's obviously like some kind of smoothed out H and K, yeah, like an MP five, yeah, uh, like maybe very <coughs> great
0: Photoshop.
1: I if don't, so, it's no, because he's well. holding it.
0: He's holding it in the other pictures,
1: so it is a problem. Oh yeah, no, it's something they had to create. Yeah, no, it's not Photoshop. So, huh. We should ask Mike about that sometime, or, or anybody who was involved in the book.
0: Yeah. Um, so again, there, there's a lot it's... of talk in this article. Uh, it's the longest article in this book. Um, and they also talk about uh, polymer one-shots, and I think this is where polymer one-shots really got a debut of what they wore and why you use
1: them. Oh my God, we finally have an art credit for Mike Pondsmith with the Palmer one-shots. Oh, he did those too? Yes, he did. It's crazy that I never noticed that before now. I have looked through this book thousands of times, and it just never, never clicked. Mystery solved.
0: And you can tell it's a, a computer-generated thing because you can kind of see the pixelation.
1: Uh, I don't know if not. it's computer. Ge- I don't. I don't think it's computer-generated because I'm looking at on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> um, this definitely looks hand-drawn to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Neat. Okay. There you go. He
0: drew the. Uh, Polymer nines um, then in the next section you have Bubba scope notes the one contention thing is that cot my players often would say okay that gives me a plus three to my cyber gun plus two plus my cyber eye gives me a plus six to my weapon, yeah. and I'm going to strap that on a, a, something that has a weapon accuracy of plus two, which means I get a plus eight, which basically means that takes care of the called shots for small targets. Pretty
1: much. Pretty much takes care of both called shots and everything else you want to you want to throw at the player.
0: Yeah. So um, again, I don't know if the cot. Ca- include was supposed to be like in addition to the cyber gun like instead of a plus two you get a plus
1: three yeah but i think uh, they kind of walk that back later yeah Uh, never specifically but yeah they definitely move away from this
0: Um, so the next uh, page, we have uh, some more weapons, more rifles.
1: Uh, yep, I would be willing to bet those are also done by Mike. They seem to be in the same style.
0: Yeah, they would not use a ninja just because of D6 damages.
1: <laughs> yeah, what's the point?
0: Exactly. What is the point?
1: Well, in twenty thirteen what was the point? Uh, with Interlock Unlimited, you know, we We actually made steps to make that something that could be effective. With uh like armor degradation rules and whatnot. If you throw if you throw a hundred rounds of even twenty two caliber at something, it's it's gonna have an effect.
0: It is. <coughs> um but yeah, it's kinda like the what was it from Chrome One, that the, the mini gat. Yeah. Except you're throwing a hundred rounds in one one turn. Some insane uh, rate of fire that thing had. Um,
1: yeah, it was uh, I mean that the minigat is actually what what led me to create the armored degradation rules. Uh, and have them be effective because you know if you if you hit something that many times it, like I said it's gonna have an effect there's you don't need to get tricksy with it like that's just the way guns work
0: well I know you say that but that shootout in la back in the early two thousands with those two gun robbers. Um, I mean, how many yeah, rounds did dude... they take before, you know, they started pulling out the, the bigger guns and finally
1: did some headshots on those. Well, guys? I mean, they were wearing like freaking like bomb disposal outfits. They were sure they were wearing metal gear. Really? They, were wearing, Yeah, they were wearing metal gear for, for all intents and purposes. Uh, they were armored from head to toe with, like, heavy, heavy armor. Like, one of the reasons the, the firefight took so long is because they had no chance of escaping, because they couldn't move at anything faster than, like, a slow walk. Yeah. So while they had this big, long standoff where they were taking round after round... They couldn't get to any of their escape vehicles because um, they couldn't walk fast enough. Yeah. That, In game terms, they had like a negative five to their movement allowance and a negative five encumbrance value. See, real world stuff. There we go.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a crazy situation there. Um,
1: yeah, I remember watching that on the news as it was happening. It was like holy fucking shit.
0: Yeah, kids don't do that at home. That wasn't a lesson to be learned from, because eventually the cops did get the proper munitions and did take those guys out.
1: <clears throat> I mean, they, you know, they had to go basically like commandeer the gun store down the street because their own stuff wasn't
0: and it's a uh, adequate. <clears throat> yeah, and nowadays that's not the same. That's not the situation
1: yeah no, in fact, that was probably the direct catalyst for the military for the uh excuse for militarization of the police um, that and crack that that and crack um, but that is a that is a long discussion for another <laughs> time
0: so uh next story we have is the first corporate war, so They spend quite a few pages discussing it, uh, what it was involved, how it evolved. Uh, It gives you timelines and places and and all the situations that were happening. So it was a war that happened between uh, Orbital Air and EBM, who are EBM I like to use quite a bit uh, in a few of my games. I like to
1: use Orbital Air.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm about to use orbital air in my future campaign. <clears throat>
1: um, I, I I liked this section. I I like the detail of this is the first time they really go into detail of how uh, corporations can actually be more powerful than uh, the established militaries and whatnot. With uh, now, granted. They get smacked down hard, but it kind of lends credence to how powerful corporations have become by the by the time of the cyberpunk twi- timeline.
0: Yep, and I think this is the kind of article I think you were looking for for the Southam War, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's a good read. Uh, it, it, it
1: all it all gets folded in. Um any little bit of information I can find.
0: Yep. Um, the next chapter we have is the various secret services or spy organizations for the various corporate uh, not corporates, but actually uh, government. Like the CIA, uh, who is a combination of the FBI, what do they say, the NSC, the DEA, I thought the NSA.
1: Interpol... Yeah.
0: Interpol, Mossad, KGB. Uh, I, I mean...
1: Of
0: course, the KGB doesn't Honestly... <laughs> Kinda, supposedly. When
1: I... When I tell people that I've run several, like, high-level espionage campaigns in the vein of, like, James Bond or the Bourne Identity, uh, or the Jason Bourne stuff, like, people look at me weird, like, what are you doing running that in Cyberpunk 2020? And I'm all like, dude, it's been there since the start. Yep. Like... It's cyberpunk lends itself very well to this kind of stuff, as evidenced by Ghost in the Shell. Yes,
0: and I think even the interlock system really has uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, depth in which it can be applied to. Right, like even when we were talking with um, Seth and how he took uh, your the IU, right and tried to use yeah. it for fantasy campaigns. Um,
1: so... It, it I mean, it Interlock works really well for any human-based system. Yep. Uh, it works better than really anything else that I've ever come across. Um, it, it It really takes some doing to start adding the fantastical effects, mm. but if you look at it as humans as your base... It really does it better than anything else because it allows for the. I've talked about the sense of drama before, and yeah, that's just where its strength lies. Well, I mean, even with
0: non-human, you kind of got into the whole concept of animals having more wound boxes per category, um, which kind of expanded how how deadly you know bigger beasts can be.
1: Well, yeah, because, you know, a whale is going to take some damage unless you're yeah. on a speedboat into it. But, yeah, this one... Sorry, that was uh, the reference for anybody paying attention.
0: Yeah. Um, but this article goes into the various um, government uh, societies. I actually need to read Interpol because they are up in space quite a bit and I'm going to have to use this to uh, for my campaign, so I'm glad I can't uncover this <laughs> and went back and read this.
1: I mean, really, all the intelligence agencies are going to be active in space, and anytime I've I've tried to run an espionage campaign, at some point or another, they end up on Crystal Palace just because that's where like the deals get made. Uh, the high dollar... Well,
0: true, but... You know... E- the ESA and the EEC are basically own 90% of space. Uh, it even referenced how mm. every single transfer station in mm. space has an interpol agent in it.
1: So, well, yeah, <clears throat> that, that's just how that works. Yeah.
0: So I think there's, you, you, you're right that there's going to be, you know, the Russians and the United States and, yeah, there's only, like, four four agencies, which is uh, the Russians, the Americans, the EEC, and Mossad as president.
1: And, I mean, cyberpunk was coming out as a genre just as, like, uh, the Star Wars, the, like, real-life Ronald Reagan's Star Wars space program was, yeah. was really, like, hitting its peak. Yep. So we had all these defense satellites that we kept hearing about, and these super secret, um, super secret space installations that were they were talking about. Yep.
0: <clears throat> so definitely come read it. It actually gives some stats and how to um, roll up uh, a agent of her Secret Service, um, what skills they would have, what cyberware they would have, what kind of hardware they would be using. Uh, So definitely a good read. Uh, And then I believe this is the final chapter, which, no, there's uh, one more chapter, I think, after this. Uh, This chapter is the world situation and kind of goes through the various locations in 2013. Uh, in the locations around the world that have hotspots that solos could find Open to work contact. in.
1: Yep. Again, this this was supremely useful to me in both the uh, conflict Africa and the conflict South America source books I made. Uh, in fact, if it weren't for these, I probably would never have had the inspiration to do them.
0: So, it's kind of uh, a lot of hooks, uh, similar to the screen sheets. Screen sheets? Yep. Which you have They give you postings. the size of the yep. conflicts.
1: And then it's up They're to you really...
0: to flesh it all out.
1: Uh, the last... The next chapter was all... Ha- was supremely useful in the early days because it's the first time you see vehicle vehicles. combat f- flushed out. yep it, it's it's very simple and basic., uh, but it follows it follows completely in line with interlock and it doesn't ever feel out of place. Uh, but with things like AVs and car chases, like this was really the only tool you had for a long, long time to run those scenarios.
0: The basic book had some simple... um,
1: Really, really simple.
0: ...card chases prior to to Maximum Metal. Even Maximum Metal, um, I think those rules were even a little more simplistic than these.
1: Yeah, in some regards, they were... It was an expansion of this that kind of simplified it a little bit, but at the same time through so many different weapons and and vehicles that Yeah, but I mean Maximum Metal didn't come out till much later.
0: Yeah, 97, 90 it was late. <laughs> it wasn't that
1: late. It was it was late. <laughs> it was... I want to say it was 94, 95. Yeah.
0: I know it came out some more Scoparugals, in Enabling inspired
1: art with the Lamborghini.
0: Yeah, because um, when I was working on my um, master list for vehicles, just the amount of vehicles that just didn't have maximum metal stats.
1: Uh, yeah, it it's just, it. It was a I pain should... in those early days. Uh, I think the most useful part of this is the damage location tables for vehicles.
0: Maximum Metal, copyrighted 2022, or 2002. Sorry, not 2022.
1: Um, I mean, Maximum Metal came out a f- long time before that.
0: That's not what this... Uh, if, if you, I have it right in front of me, and I'm looking at it, and it says, copyrighted I'm, 2002.
1: Well, I'm assuming that that's probably a reprint. Maybe. Um, I definitely had it when I was in Kansas City. Right. And I moved away from. I moved out of Kansas City in '96.
0: Maybe it was a well. Again, this is a PDF version from uh, Drive But I don't think Yeah, it was, uh, I'm
1: assuming that that's when Drive released it. Not.
0: I don't think Drive was around in 2002.
1: Uh, then yeah, I'm definitely assuming it's a it's a reprint. Oh, I, I know okay. that it came.
0: I'll have to pull out my actual paper copy. All right.
1: Well, we'll
0: see. Uh, that's for another. That's for future us to figure out. Uh, and then at the end, well, right before the end, you have the follow-up to the the Soviet article, because uh, again, that's what. <laughs>
1: Nineteen ninety-three. That's when Maximum Metal came out.
0: Huh? Where's the drive-through? Why the drive-through edition says two thousand two?
1: That, that is odd. That is odd. Misprinting, maybe? I don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm assuming that you that whatever scan that is 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 from yeah, a reprint,
0: true, probably. And then finally, you have the hiring hall, which is uh, basically uh, job postings that you would normally see in like any any of the magazines from the '90s, in which you would have. Uh, Classifieds as it Classified. were. Classified. <laughs> for various jobs. And
1: it's more it's just more adventure hooks. Yep. <clears throat> and then the last page is is ruler rat. Uh, updates. Um, that's in... At least in, yes, in... the
0: in the printed copy. In,
1: in the yeah, in the printed you copy.
0: You have to actually go to uh, our Talsorian site, and they have a DLC around the errata for this, which is a definite must. <laughs> I don't think it's too many things they actually really fixed. Uh, just a few little typos that they went through. Um, and that? Yep. Covers uh, solo fortune one, and I don't think we got if if that if solo fortune one, which was eighty two pages, took us this amount of time. I don't think we're going to finish solo of two in the next twenty minutes. So I think we're going to have to hold off on solo solo fortune two uh, till
1: another well, future that's, episode. Yeah, that gives us something to talk about next episode or. The episode after that, or at some point, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's weird to me that it took us this long to get through this book because it's, it's not one of the larger source books.
0: It's, it's uh, not, but we kind of always go off on little tangents for the various things and talk <laughs> very about very, very true different topics uh, while we're talking about the main how thing. We
1: we do a lot of talking about how you know aspects of the source book have impacted our own games and our own projects. So. Yeah. And then
0: comparing real-life situations, like, you know, how armor... Yeah. ...can uh, be very, very useful against small colorable weapons.
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, in the past, when we've, when we've done uh, these original and then updated versions, we've been able to get through both sourcebooks at once. Um like near orbit and deep space, because most of most of near orbit was just reprinted into deep space, so there yeah. wasn't the need to go into the first source book as much. But this, while some of this gets reprinted in in Solo of Fortune Two, there's so much more original material that yeah, it's it's going to take us a whole nother episode to to really do Solo of Fortune Two justice.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, future content. Um, I think uh, it'll be probably another year or two before we get through all these books and start. Hopefully, by then we'll we'll, we'll start uh, doing more red books as more of them come out. Um, I got my version of Tales from the Red. I'm like I said, I'm rereading it. Uh, I might actually run a couple of those scenarios um, as one-shots just to play around with them um, and use them. So, I definitely want setting to aside some
1: out. money for it right now for that, and uh, I also want to get a physical <coughs> copy of uh, Interface. Yep. Also, Interface Red. Yes.
0: Um, always have to have physical copies of things. The other thing is, I actually got my pledge manager for the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven board game. So, yes, so I'm actually going to be uh, dealing with that, and that's going to eventually hopefully come out. Hopefully we'll not be at any wars, or hopefully China will, uh, the COVID crisis will end ended very soon, and we can get back to normal with normal freight coming back in, and no more... Dystopian future happening, so I can actually hold that game in my hands. But we'll see.
1: It would be nice. It would be nice if things if things get if things get a little bit better. Uh, yeah, yeah. It can't all be bad,
0: right? Right? Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can't rain all the time.
0: Well, unless you're in London.
1: <laughs> or Seattle.
0: <laughs> or Seattle, yeah. yeah that, that, or that's, Night City, yeah, as, well, as Night it were. <laughs> but the problem with Night City is you do not want to be caught out in the rain up there. All right, so um, I guess that's about it. Um... I think we can uh, wrap up. So, again, I am Cybersmiley. You can uh, go visit my site at cybersmiley.net. That's Cybersmiley without the second E. Uh, There you can find a bunch of uh, gaming utilities for Cyberpunk 2020, for Cyberpunk Red. Um, I have some uh, map downloads. I actually, as I said, I did a, a launch today, so I added a few maps to that section. I also posted a short story um, that I've also posted on a couple of uh, Discord servers. Uh, love to hear from, get some feedback on that story. It's about one of my uh, one of my first cyberpunk characters um, and kind of an NPC I've used quite a bit. Um, so I'd like to hear from that. Uh, you can check me out on my own Discord server, Cyber Smiley's data um that you there's a link on my site so go to my site you'll be able to get to there i'm also on almost every single other cyberpunk site that i in and, in and, sorry every cyberpunk discord server there is in discord so i am there i'm listening uh, and, or you can hit me up directly on discord uh, at cybersmiley i think i'm the only cybersmiley but i never know also i cruise the uh, couple of red, reddit reddit uh, threads as well, I post there, too. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's about it from my side.
1: I am Wisdom. You can find my stuff at Data Fortress 2020, uh, where I just have, in addition to my own numerous source books and gearbooks and rules that I've posted, I also have an archive of like all the NETs uh, greatest utilities and and source books for cyberpunk adventures, anything you could want uh, from all the long dead sites, um, as much as I could have grabbed. Yep. Um, you can you can find me on Facebook. You can find me. You can find me on Discord, but uh, I'm slow to answer. Uh, um, you can get a hold of me directly through. Uh, my email, which is readily available on my site. You can get a hold of me, uh, uh, again, through Facebook. If you have questions directly for me on, on Discord, I'll get around to those eventually. Uh, but yeah, we are, we are very glad for any support and any enjoyment anyone finds from us.
0: And we also like to thank, uh, Rob over on, uh, Cyber Nation Uncensored for hosting us here on Twitch. Also posting our uh, older episodes over on his YouTube channel. Um, also yeah. part of his Discord uh, server as well. And I know Capricious is here, so he has a lot of uh,
1: live plays that you definitely should go check out. Um, his live plays are our top quality. Uh, I also want to thank him for continuously posting uh, necessary links and... Uh, to our various sites and articles. Thanks, Cap. Yes, definitely.
0: Um, Yeah, and definitely go check out uh, Cyber uh, Nation Uncensored's YouTube. He has quite a few of uh, live plays for various games, not just for Cyberpunk Red, um, that not only Capricious runs, but also Rob runs, but they also have uh, Fallout, um, Dune, and and a few other games, so go check them out. Definitely a, a plus, so Right, I think that's about it, and uh, kind of ends our little uh, episode. So, and
1: yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in.
0: Yeah, and come us check us out on the first Wednesday of the month and the third Wednesday of the month again. So, adios.
1: Well, see you soon.